Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. Jay Jones, and I'm here with George Mays for Text Driven Tuesday. Good morning. Good morning. We're going back through um, recapitulation, George. Did you do this sure. because you sure. lo- because that's how you read the Book of Revelation? Recapitulation. I don't. That's not really. That's not quite what recapitulation is. Do they not use that term? I think. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. think I've heard all my. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, def- I definitely. Uh, I definitely hold the recapitulation, but. Uh, but you didn't doing you're, you're what preaching. we're talking about here in Hebrews. I don't know if that's. <laughs> well, here's what I mean. You're preaching the same text. Yes. But. Bringing out newer yeah or fresh realities mm-hmm. than you did last time yes because last time you had a bigger section this time you're gonna you're narrowing it in on 23 to well we're in chapter 7 if you're following along Hebrews chapter 7 <clears throat> and you took 23 through 28 so yeah and you said you want us to you got me feeling like I need to cough now Jay why because you're over here uh, before we started recording, you were over there coughing. Mm. I know. Sorry to miss, uh, m- messed up the podcast again. Yeah. Friday. Yeah, it is what it is. You need so. to be uh, popping those vitamin D. I, I am. Are you? Yeah. I'm, I think my immune system's compromised because I had COVID a couple weeks ago. And then I caught. As long as I've known you, how how long have we known each other? About seven years? Maybe. Something like that. I feel like you get sick a lot, Jay. (laughs) I'll get sick usually. Do you get the flu every year? No. No? I haven't had the flu since uh, we merged churches. When was that? About five years ago. Five years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, you see, George... When your kids go to uh, school mm-hmm. and they interact with all kinds of people, they mm-hmm. bring home all the sickness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably why we get it. But um, no, I always get sick every fall and every spring when like the uh, allergy stuff changes. Mm-hmm. I always get some type of minor thing. Yeah. But yeah, the COVID got me. And then I don't know what this is, but not good. All right. We'll try not to but cough. I'm back. Up. Try not to cough over. Everyone. I'm back. Yeah. Somebody told me who was it? it was a church guest, Adriel. She was very encouraging. She said, "You probably have long COVID," and I was like, "Please, don't, why did you? <laughs> Please, no, <laughs> no." Yeah. She's like, "I had, I had that," uh-huh. and it, you just have the COVID symptoms, like. For a super long time, but mm-hmm. you're not contagious anymore. Yeah. So let's pray it's that that's <laughs> not what it is. How about that? Yeah. So helpful. <clears throat> that's good. <laughs> yeah. So we're back. Yeah. I'll try not to cough. Okay. Do my best. And I am interviewing you. I feel like this is going to be an interview because the the live stream cut off. Um, so I couldn't listen to your sermon. Yeah. I got, I don't even know, maybe 15 minutes of it. Uh, you probably got the good part. 
<laughs> was your opening illustration a good part? It got you major good points with the with the wife at home. Well, I I think it more embarrasses her than anything else. I told I didn't tell her what it was what I was going to say, but I did tell her that my first line in my sermon was about her. <laughs> yeah. George, you like to look at your wife. Mm-hmm. That's the opposite of when couples get to the point where they're like, "I can't even look at you." Yeah. That's so that's that's indication maybe something's going on that's in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You like to look at your wife. Yeah. That's good. And then you talked about uh you bridged into how people love to look at cat videos, <laughs> which was I'll be honest with you. The connection was a weird one for me, but it kind of worked. I it was <laughs> it was uh it was one of those things that i was i was looking for something else um during the uh <laughs> during my research time and i just ran across this uh this statistic and i was like you know what i'm just gonna throw this in here <laughs> just for the fun it's of it it's a funny statistic George. now you gotta tell everybody <laughs> There's some yeah. weird people in this world. There are. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I came across some uh, statistics, 2015, that there was an estimated 2 million cat videos on YouTube uh, that had been viewed 25 billion times. Look at that, George. I know. We've got some. You're glitching out. I know. The the um, It's a pitch. If you like the podcast. That's right. <laughs> That's... Uh, and you like to look at George on the podcast. His camera, which is like an iPhone 7 or something, I don't even know, maybe even older. Um, we, need a, we need a new it's camera, not, It's not going great, yeah. Somebody out there, if you've got like an iPhone 8 or newer, just mail it to the podcast. Go on the church website, find our website, and just mail it to us, please, so that you can look at George's beautiful, it's... beautiful beard. Your pitch is starting to sound more like begging. I, please. I mean, please. come on. Somebody's got to have Help one. Us. Yeah. You don't have any old iPhones laying around? I have no. I've never had an iPhone. I know somebody in the I church has got to have one. I'm an Android user. Yeah. Too. We should check and see if it, uh, they updated the software on this uh, and it'll use Android. Because it wouldn't before. Yeah. Maybe it will now. Yeah, if people have anything laying around that we could use. Yeah, or you could just send us over like maybe 800 bucks so we could buy a fancy or camera. That, or that. <laughs> yeah. We'll take that too. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's uh, ju- cat videos. Cat videos. Cat let's videos. Get back to yes, it. 25 billion views. Mm-hmm. They actually broke that down. I, it's like 1,200 views per video or something like that. Now, you said something. Can you you believe that? And then I found this the uh, statistic that it was estimating that 15% of the internet is taken up by people looking for cat videos. That's the stat that got me right Can you believe that? That's the one. That's the one that got me, bud. Can you believe that? No. That's crazy. People love cat videos, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. When the AI, like, becomes completely self-aware like it, it's on its way we talked about it on free for all friday but mm-hmm. it's going to be like it's going to create some type of cat like manipulation monster mm. because it's going to see like 15 percent of humans are obsessed with cats yeah there'll be it'll create some giant cat cult right. <laughs> to help take over the world 
humans. I guess if the government had really wanted to keep everyone in their homes, they could have just provided free cat videos. I guess for everyone. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, you I. Ever, uh, you ever kick, kick a cat, George? Have I ever kicked a cat? <laughs> you ever no. have like a cat that's like latch onto I've... your leg for like no reason whatsoever? No. Because cats, cats. Okay. Like, I, 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 I don't want to like if you like cats, I don't want to make you like feel bad or whatever. But I mean, because I do the same thing to a dog, but dogs just don't like go crazy for no reason, um, usually, right? But a cat could be like, oh yeah, you're so nice, and mm-hmm. yeah. The next thing you know, it's like latched onto your leg. Yeah. Like bite, like trying to claw you and bite you. You um, ever, you ever seen anything like that? Yeah, yeah. You gotta, then you just gotta so, take that sucker and just yeet it across yeah. the yard. <laughs> the place that I go to get my haircut, they used to have a uh, hairless cat wandering around the <laughs> the room, uh, and it would jump up on my lap while I was waiting. Ugh. It was uh, like Doctor Evil's cat. Uh, yes. Oh my, Mister Bigglesworth. Yes, it's <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is this thing going to do? Well, it's like a little alien. That was a good. You like? That's a good attention. <laughs> what are getter. we even doing? <laughs> it's, it's a, a good. It's, it's a, a Monday good, morning. It's a good attention getter because then people are like, "Oh, we know. we look at the things that we love." Yeah, and you right. said, "Hey, we should be looking at Jesus mm-hmm. every day." Right. Um, if we love Jesus, we ought to be looking at Him every day. How do we do that? Uh, well, we obviously have to go in the Word and uh, understand who He is and and meditate upon who He is. Um, yeah, and I, I wanted to make sure that we, when when we, t- we we use that language of of looking at Jesus, that we're not we're not thinking close your eyes and picture you know. Uh, Jim Caviezel, you know, from right. <laughs> from the Passion of the Christ. Like that's right. not what we're talking about. We're not talking about find a picture of Jesus, you know, some kind of supposed picture of Jesus, and and uh, and think about that. What we mean is that we we see Jesus in the scriptures. That's yeah, yeah. that's how we see him. Yes, yeah. Um, we we don't have pictures of him. Right. Um, we we open up the scriptures, and that is how. He's been revealed to us. Yeah. So don't, when we don't talk be, about, don't be so influenced, like you said, like the chosen or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, I that, remember that's your that's your perception, like of who he is. Right. I remember when uh, when the Passion of the Christ came out, mm-hmm. and I was jumping on the the hype with that also. Um, but some people were saying this is the best um, evangelistic tool since like the Book of Acts. No, they were. Uh, I remember a church, the church, the church we were at. They like rented the whole movie theater or mm-hmm. whatever, had to ch- bring people to this movie thing. Yeah. And I remember the pastor said, "This movie is going to actually change the entire world." Mm. He actually believed it. It was yeah. going to cause like an axe type of revival. Mm. And I was like, hmm, "I don't think so." I like the movie. Yeah, um, I, th- I thought it was it was pretty good to kind of get the historical kind of context of it but to say that this is you know this great evangelistic tool is to ignore what god has given as the greatest evangelistic tool right yeah right yeah so we ought to you know when we think about jesus this picture that we have of him needs to come from the bible that's what you were doing in x this morning uh drake and i were reading in matthew 
and I actually said something similar to him. Um, there's this thing that he says, Jesus, that uh, probably doesn't influence a lot of people's picture of who he is, but should. He says, um, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, he gives an invitation, come to me, all who labor are heavy laden, that will give you rest. But we, that picture of the description of, of, of Jesus um, you could sit and think about it forever, like all day. That's why I was trying to help Drake to understand, like you need to take a pause maybe and just think about these verses because this probably is not the picture of Jesus who your friends have. Mm-hmm. Right? They've, they've got a picture of probably of um, a Jesus who's um, just kind of glad that you accepted him or something. And that's the, these verses go way beyond that. Yeah, they go back to eternity. That no one knows the Father except the Son. Mm-hmm. No one is the Son except the Father. Um, you're getting into like really deep Trinitarian theology with that one statement, and then you're getting into deep theology of salvation, talking about that no one can know the Father unless the Son chooses to reveal Him to you. Mm-hmm. That just that's like a nuclear bomb in, into people's entire PhDs if you just take it for what it says. Right. Um, and that's a, this should be painting our ideas mm-hmm. of who yeah. Jesus is. Yeah, when Jesus says, um, you know, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father, he's not saying that the Father looks like a physical face. Right. Um, he means that when you see Jesus's works his person um you've seen the father right you've seen you've seen the same aspects yeah of of the father every attribute yeah the father has the son has the same mm-hmm. he's of the same essence um <clears throat> yeah so here in hebrews 23 through 28 we're going to jump back in talking about the priesthood of christ again superiority of his priesthood and so you slowed down and you said we need to just take a good look. Yeah. And that was that was good. So, let's have you read the passage and then we'll I'll interview you about it cuz I like I said. Okay. It, uh, you have no idea what I said. I got I've got the first two points. Okay. So, right. well you stated them at I the beginning, at so the I beginning, know what yeah. they are, but I didn't get to get into the others. So. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Yeah. All right, Hebrews chapter 7 verses 23 through 28. It reads the former priest were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. All right, so last week you did, um, you presented... 
here's what's wrong with the priesthood of man, um, the line of Aaron, yeah, which was by blood. Uh, no one else could be that um, by descent, and they died. Uh, they were sinners, and what was the last one? They get all. Th- maybe that was all three of them. Yeah, I think that was. Oh, they, their sacrifices had to be perpetual mm-hmm. because it could never deal with sin. Right, and then you presented sacrifices. the superior of Christ priesthood, right? Um, and you showed how he is mm-hmm. better than all of those. Right. All the flaws they have, he has none, and he's better. Mm-hmm. Um, this week, you're jumping in and looking at four things about Jesus to remind us of his um, great priesthood, so that we could. Hopefully, love him better, love him more. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've got these, you've got these, um, these new believers. They're they're coming out of <clears throat> this old covenant system of the the temple worship, and um, they're struggling. They're struggling to to uh, endure persecution. They're they're being tempted to go back. And I just wanted to slow down here because this is such a great. A great picture of who Jesus is. It's such a great description of who He is. We've we've got other descriptions, but for me, this this just strikes me as um, just this vivid picture of who yeah. He is. And and mm-hmm. if if um, if they're going to be um, persuaded to stay, it's not going to just be here's all the bad things about the old, but Look at how look at how superior Jesus is. Right. Look at how wonderful he is. He's not just another priest. He's not just another guy. He's he's more. He's better. Um, and so I, I just I just thought that I I kind of went back and forth. Eh, I could just go into chapter eight, but I I just really I didn't feel like we um, spent enough time in it last week. So I wanted mm-hmm. to do it uh, again. Uh, especially verse 25. I mean, a whole, I could have preached a whole sermon just on verse 25. Um, so sometimes it just pays to right. take it a little bit slow. Yeah. So your points are, um, Jesus is our forever priest. Jesus is our um, impeccable priest. Jesus is our perfect sacrifice, and Jesus is God's perfect son. Is that right? Uh, once for all sacrifice. Once for all, once for sacrifice. all sacrifice. Okay. I try. I try to. Uh, I tried to to pick out the words from the the actual text. Um, we can talk about why I chose impeccable um, when we get to that point. Okay. So let's jump in here, George. <clears throat> Jesus is our forever priest. Okay. Um, we did talk about that mm-hmm. a little bit last week. Maybe elaborate a little bit more on it, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I think you obviously can see that it's clear as day there uh, for you to see in the text. Yeah. But maybe talk about the more of the application implications that can be drawn out of that. Right. For those of us living here in um, 2,000 years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, we could rehash the, the same stuff that we talked about last week. Um, there's There were a lot of Levitical priests. Um 83 high priest from 1446 BC to 70 AD, but then the hundreds of other priests mm-hmm. that were serving alongside. And here comes one. Right. 
So this is a this is a big theme that is picked up um, through the book. There's many, and then there's one who is superior. So chapter one, there's many prophets. God spoke to our fathers in many ways, um, but then there's one. He's the superior revelation. Um, we've got chapter 10, the, the priests that offer many sacrifices over and over and over again. And here comes one who offers one mm-hmm. sacrifice and it's superior. So here there's many priests and then there's one and he's superior. So the one is, is better than the many, mm-hmm. um, which I think is, um, that's, that's an important point for us to, I think, get across because we often are, um, mesmerized by numbers there's a lot of these priests um they they have to be better than just one um and yet the whole point is that the the one is the summation of all of these many throughout Mm -hmm. time right um so we need to we need to understand that the one is um he's better than the many and the reason why he's better than the many is because why is there many it's because they die yeah right they they are prevented by death from continuing but he lives forever so he continues forever so he's the forever priest he's died and he's been raised to life again Mm -hmm. and the application is verse 25 okay and this is a verse that i i've been telling people if you don't write in your Bible, make an exception <laughs> to the to the rule for this verse. Memorize this verse because this verse will encourage you. It will give you hope when you are suffering with fear and doubt and insecurities, when you've got guilt from, from the past. Remember this verse. Because he has died and he has been raised to life and he has this indestructible life that he will never die again. Therefore, he's able to save you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just just kind of pick this verse apart um, in the sermon. Because he, because he lives, consequently, he's able, not, not hope to, not maybe, it's not hypothetical. He's able, it's the word for dynamite, it's power. He's, mm-hmm. he's powerful to actually save you and not just save you halfway, um, it's, it's not the, uh, you know, the Armenian view of, of your drowning and, and, you know, Jesus throws you a life, a life preserver and, and pulls you in, right? You got to take hold of the life preserver. He saves to the uttermost. He saves completely, perfectly. Um, not, it's not even, you know, God has done 99% of the work. You have to do 1% by believing mm-hmm. he saves to the uttermost. Um, those who draw near to God through him because he, he ever lives to intercede for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you sin, when you feel guilt, um, when you feel condemnation, um, when you fear that you've lost your salvation, um, this verse is the silver bullet. Mm-hmm. He saves to the uttermost. There's no, there's no losing your salvation. There's no, um, I didn't do enough. I didn't, I didn't say the right prayer. I didn't walk the aisle. There's none of that stuff. He saves to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him because he lives to intercede for them. 
he's he is praying for them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's their their advocate. He's their priest. And I, I love what uh, many of the the commentators were bringing out is that he's not the picture is not an angry God who is having to be um, appeased by Jesus constantly pleading um, and trying to convince him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's his presence in heaven is. Uh, one one commentator says, "Our Lord's life in heaven is His prayer. Like His His very presence is the evidence that um, all of God's promises will be accomplished. Mm-hmm. All, all, they'll all be given to the people for whom Christ died. Um, and that's, I mean, that's the encouragement that we need. Yeah, it's um, we truly are saved by Christ alone. We're not saved by our good works." We're not saved by um, going to a priest. We're not saved by a pope. Mm. Right? We don't need uh, Mary to intercede for us or the saints. We have a perfect priest who ever lives. He's never going to retire. He's never going to pass the torch. Um, there's never going to be uh, someone else. It's always going to be him. And so here is your constant, never-changing high priest who intercedes for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I brought up the fact that, you know, um, in 30 to 40 years, um, all of the current elders at this church will probably be gone. You ever think about that? I mean, it's not, it's not yeah. as far off as, as we would like to think. Right. Like, on the off chance that you know we make it to like 90 <laughs> you're uh-huh. still you're still like 50 years from now all the elders will be gone um and people will replace us where there's going to be you know just uh if if the church if god's gracious and the church remains there will be different pastors up at the pulpit mm. um there will be a time that you and I will preach our last sermon at this church. Um, but not so with Jesus. He doesn't change. Um, he's not going to leave. He's going to be forever. And so we can take great comfort in that. Awesome. Yeah. Jesus is our forever priest. Jesus is our impeccable priest. Not a word used too often. You know that word, Jay? Yeah. I, I know the word. Because I, I read, Because you read. <laughs> that, may, that might surprise you that I read. Yeah. Been building that vocabulary up uh-huh. ever since I was about 25. Okay. That's when I started reading. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. Then read till then. Yeah. Maybe maybe uh Jurassic Park, I think. Yeah. A couple of other uh Well, you're going to get some you're going to get some good vocab words out yeah, of that book. Yeah. Uh that's not a that's uh, not a Michael, super other easier. Michael Crichton books. Uh, mm-hmm. I used to that was it though. Yeah. Yeah. There's some, there's some so. scientific stuff in there. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. Um, so he's he's faultless, impeccable. He um, meets so this... you've got you've got the you've got this five these five descriptive words. Um, he's holy. He's innocent. He's unstained. He's separated from sinners, and he's exalted above the heavens. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where the thing cut off. Oh, okay. Um, I don't I don't think that the point is to pick apart these words mm. and try to find like the different angles 
for what these words mean because what's the difference between innocent and unstained? Like there's, it, yeah. they're kind of synonymous, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't think the point is like, here's like, we're looking at different angles of the same thing and, and trying to, you know, look at right. these different facets. I think what he's doing is he's, he's building up kind of like a podium, uh-huh. like a platform to show the exaltation of Christ. Mm-hmm. You're, you're just building brick by brick. And it starts with holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and he's exalted above the heavens. That's, I mean, you 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 just kind of see how he's being um, lifted up in this uh, in this um, this verse. And um, so I was trying to find a word that kind of would encapsulate um, all of those, and I thought impeccable was a good yeah. one. Um, yeah. Impeccable it means faultless or meeting the highest standard. Yeah, um, and that's exactly what this verse is is talking about. You've got these other priests; they have to offer sacrifices for their own sins first before they can even think about offering sacrifices for the sins of others. But not so with Jesus, because yep. he's got this fivefold perfection. Right? They're the lamest priests. You think so? You think so? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, they worked under the under the old covenant. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, the Jew, the Jewish people, they many of them, not all of them. Um, I think you see you see the the elect in the the Old Testament who are understanding the sacrificial system for what it is. Mm-hmm. It's anticipatory. But for a lot of them, um, this was the end. Right. This this is this is something that's supposed to happen um, in. Perpetuity. <laughs> I mean, you, you've got the temple, you've got the the priest, you've got the animal sacrifices. What else do you need? And so when Jesus came and he was like, "Tear down this this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days," mm-hmm. like, this is blasphemy. That's what they used against uh, him in his trial. Yeah, uh, it's what they used against Stephen in his trial. He's talking. He's talking about. He's talking against Moses in this place. Um, but it was always meant to be um, anticipating something greater. Mm-hmm. Um, so it worked under the old covenant system. But if you just looked at it as an end in itself, you're missing the whole point. Um, and so you've you've got these Levitical priests that are sinners, and you've got Jesus, and he's impeccable. Um, he's he is uh, he's got the highest standards. Mm. Did a little uh, little congregation check. Mm-hmm. Um, I said that my wife has she married me because she has impeccable taste. Yeah, you know sometimes you gotta make sure that they're awake, uh-huh. right? Um, but that's were they awake? It seemed that way. <laughs> did, did, did they laugh? anybody laugh? Try, try not to try well, not to get my feelings hurt. <laughs> did, did anybody laugh oh, or yes. did they just? Oh yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. They got a good they got okay. a good chuckle out of they that. They didn't just so. they didn't just gaze at you. They and, they didn't <laughs> in in reformed in reformed uh, in reformed amusement. Uh huh. Yeah. With a tiny creak in their in their smile. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. You got actually got some laughs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but the, I think the, the best pictures that we have of, of this, this Jesus is Matthew 17 and the transfiguration Mm -hmm. when he's, 
he's transformed before Peter, James, and John, and and his clothes are are the brightest white, and his sun is shining like, or his, his face is shining like the sun. Um, and Revelation one, where you have the kind of the same mm-hmm. same picture, uh, which interestingly enough, in Revelation one, when he shows up, he's dressed like a high priest. Um, he's wearing like a golden sash, uh, standing among the lampstands that would have been in the temple. Um, and his face is shining like the sun. He's He's the holy one. He's uh, he's um, innocent, unstained. He's separated from sinners. He's not like us, exalted above the heavens. And uh, the writer the writer tells us in uh, in verse twenty six that it was fitting that we should have a priest like this. And uh, we've seen this uh, we've seen this um, this word um, in the book in chapter two verse ten. It was fitting that he for uh, for whom by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Um, so the word fitting, it, it means proper or it's right. Mm. Um, and so it's, it is proper that God in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation one of them. Um, kind of the same idea here. It was fitting that we should have a, a high priest who is without sin. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because um, these priests, or we could bring it into our own day, um, if you have a sin problem and you come to somebody for help, be it a pastor or another Christian friend, they can sympathize with you as sinners. Like, oh, yeah, I, I know what that's like. I know, I know that temptation. Mm-hmm. Um, they can encourage you. They can hold you accountable. But Jesus, as the, the Holy One, as the separated one, he actually can save you from your sins. Um, he he actually can do something about it. Like if you came into my office one day and you're like, "Yeah, I, I really need to talk to you about something," I could hopefully help you with that, but only as a fellow sinner. Mm-hmm. But Jesus actually can deal with the sin, um, and that's what He does um, on the cross. God puts our sin on Jesus. But then by faith, he puts Jesus's righteousness on us. And so, um, whereas Adam and Eve, they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves, and God had to give them animal skins instead, um, God has done something greater for us in that he clothes us with the very righteousness of Christ. Right. And so when God sees us, um, when we draw near to, to God, he looks upon us. The righteousness of, of Jesus, He declares us justified, right. not yeah. because of our own righteousness, but because of Jesus's righteousness. But if He wasn't holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, He couldn't have done that. He He would just be like all of the other priests who they can minister on your behalf, but they can't save you because who's going to save them? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but Jesus. It's fitting, it's proper for him to be like this because he actually can do what no one else can do. Awesome. Um, and so that's, um, that's, uh, these are, these are, I, I told the, the congregation, um, we're not looking at anything that is new and innovative. It's not going to be something you've never heard of. It's gonna be old stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's stuff that we hear so often that we just kind of forget. Um, what's going on? We 
we hear these Christian words, uh, justification and, and the righteousness of Christ and, and substitutionary atonement, we need to just stop sometimes and, and be reminded of what those terms mean, yeah. what's packed into those things, that um, we do not stand in the presence of a holy God. We do not draw near to worship him in our own righteousness. And when he looks at us, he doesn't have to be, um, he doesn't have to be convinced because he sees the righteousness of Christ. Mm. Um, he sees the perfections of Christ clothing us and covering up all of our sin and our guilt and our stains. Um, and so we can, as we've, already seen in the book of Hebrews, as we'll see later, we can confidently approach the throne of grace. Yeah. Um, we have, this This gives us assurance. Um, I I talk about the the Catholic Church quite a bit in the sermon. We'll, we'll get to that in just a second. Um, but I was talking to our community group yesterday and uh, talking about, there was a, there was a, I think it was an archbishop um, of the Catholic Church around the, the time of the Reformation and um, he was saying that there is one heresy that outweighs all of the other heresies of the Protestant Reformation. And when we hear that, we think, well, he's talking about you know, justification by faith alone or grace alone or you know, something like that. Right. The greatest heresy for this, this, um, this Catholic leader was assurance. So you can't have assurance. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't know. Can't know that you're going to heaven, right? Um, you can't know that your sins have been forgiven. I saw, um, but we can. That's, you know, that's pray, what, you know, pray, what Prager. You, mm-hmm. what is the guy's first name? Dennis. Dennis Prager. Dennis Prager. So there was a uh, a clip that Prager released. It was him talking about the difference in uh, Judaism and Christianity. Yeah. And did you see it? Uh-uh. But I, I know he. I know that he's yeah. he's Jewish. Right. Um, he's actually. Like conservative Jewish, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So he kind of just lays it out really clear as, as far as he could see the difference, and he described pretty accurately, I think, I don't know what we believe uh, to it to a degree, um, but he said uh, we believe in salvation by works. Okay. That's what he said. Okay. Which it's interesting because. I don't think that's what biblical Judaism was. Right. Yeah. Um, it was still grace, and uh, it was about being in covenant with God. Right. You can't look at Abraham or David. Right. As, as Paul points out in Romans chapter four. But it does kind of get to, I think, helps us to see the direction to which even you know there are people that deny the Pharisees were going that direction in Jesus' time. I think that's obvious that they clearly were. Yeah. Um. They, and they definitely are now. So what happened after the temple is gone? Well, obviously. Mm-hmm. And he just said, we believe in salvation by works. Okay. So um, he said, and uh, so what we try to do is be a good person. And he, he said, now, the thing that really like will separate this completely, other than we believe we're saved by faith, by grace through faith, uh, he says is assurance. Mm. He said... I can't know. Mm. The only thing I can do 
is try to be good and hope for the best. Wow. It's a rough way to live. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot riding on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like whose standard of good person are we? Are we right. You know, so yeah. everybody always thinks they're good. Of course, he thinks he he said, I think if I die, you know, because I think I've done good right. and I'm a pretty good person. Mm-hmm. But everybody thinks they're a good person. Uh, but even in the, in the Catholic Church, um, unless you're like saint, saint level. Yeah. Um, they're they're pretty upfront. You'll probably right. spend some time in purgatory. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, at least they recognize that the standard is perfection. At least they understand, like, mm-hmm. like they have a, a heretical view of how you reach that standard. Mm-hmm. But at least they understand, like, unless you're, like, extraordinarily good, <laughs> you're, you're going to spend some time in purgatory. Right. You got to work it off. Yeah, because they don't believe in imputation, like you just described, the righteousness of Christ. Right, yeah, they they believe in infusion, right? Right. You're given grace, and it's kind of like that. It's like uh, it's like a it's like uh, assisting. It's like jumper cables. Yeah, it it jump starts your own merits. Right now, you can now you can start storing up those those merits. Right, right. yeah, that's a that's that's not that's not what's going on here, right? Um, if that was the case, then why did Jesus need to come anyway? Because uh-huh. the the priest could do that, right? Right. Um, so Jesus, it's he had to be he had to be this this holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens priest, because you can't do it on your own. You right. you you don't need assistance. You need salvation, right? Right, you don't need, you don't need your own your own uh, merit system to kick in. You need someone else's righteousness to mm-hmm. cover you, um, and that, that's a big difference. That's not that's not some minor difference between Protestants and Catholics. Well, we're worshiping the same God, and you know we're, we've got the same religion. It's not. It's it's a completely different way of of salvation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Completely. Which we'll see in this third point. Yeah. All right. Let's get into it then. Our you said once for all sacrifice. Yep. Yeah. Jesus is our once for all sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And I'm guessing this is probably where you talked about some of what Roman Catholics mm-hmm. believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I started by talking about the Levitical priests and the sacrifices. We 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 talked about that a little bit yeah. last week, but um, I read from Numbers chapter 28 mm-hmm. and the the sacrifices that had to to take place every single day they that it was prescribed that they had to offer one one lamb in the morning one lamb in the evening every single day Mm -hmm. then on the sabbath there was two goats that had to be sacrificed so now you're up to four right um then at the first of the month they had to offer some bulls they had to offer some goats they have to offer some lambs um and that's not even talking about um the different festivals that's not talking about individuals that come with right. their uh, with their sacrifices. Um, I ran across um, some information from the Jewish Talmud, which that's a more modern religious text that mm-hmm. they use. Um, and the Talmud described the priest as waiting in knee-high blood. Mm. Um, at one point, it says that 1.2 million animals were sacrificed in a day. Mm. Now, that could be... That could be exaggeration. That could be hyperbole. I don't know. Um, 
but it's at least expressing the idea that they offered a lot of animal sacrifices. Like this was not, you know, you, if you're raised in uh, in Sunday school, you'd see pictures of the the priests and they're they're wearing white mm-hmm. and the the stones are all clean and the temples are right. all clean and and uh, it it was a butcher shop, right? <laughs> like it was a, it was a slaughterhouse. Um, it they, probably smell. It probably smell like Dodge probably, City, Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> you ever drive through there? Smell Dodge City, Kansas. Uh-uh. Matt, there's massive like, you know, cattle hmm. uh, feeding grounds all around. Oh, yeah. There's huge, mm-hmm. huge. Uh, I don't know what you would call it. Commercial butcher mm-hmm. process meat processing. Oh yeah, yeah. And you can smell it from miles away. Oh goodness, you just go over to the Bar S uh, factory. It's That'll wake you up. Yeah. Clear those sinuses, Jay. Go over there and <laughs> just mm-hmm. take a big whiff. Um, yeah, it's uh, it would have been. I mean, you would have heard the noises of these animals being killed, and just yeah, it it, it would have been a constant reminder. And that's what uh, Hebrews chapter ten says. It's a constant reminder of sin. They're they're just constantly be re- being reminded. This is what my sin deserves. Mm-hmm. And the only way that my sin can be dealt with is this animal has to die. And so they offer animal sacrifices over and over and over again. Um, which, and we're, we'll hit on this when we get to, uh, to chapter 8, and then 9 and 10, we'll really get into it. Um, it. This is why it's such a big deal that the sacrificial system has ended. I've talked about it and asked this question. I don't know what modern day Jew, Judaism does. I mean, they talk about good works, and that's kind of like the replacement for the sacrificial system. Mm-hmm. But that's not what the law prescribes. Right. They can they can try to change it, but unless they've got another Moses that's gone up on Mount Sinai and received another word from God that says, well, now the sacrificial system is gone. Uh, just replace it with uh, well, being nice to your neighbor. What's interesting. That's, that's, you know, that, that is not what the law of God requires. It requires a blood sacrifice. It's interesting how much modern Judaism, like prayer practices and Roman Catholics, have in common, because they uh, not only do they offer perpetual sacrifices, yeah, or not only is there the perpetual sacrifice that we see in the Roman Catholic, what they do, so theirs replaces the Old Testament, yeah. and they have a system of good works. They have a system of good works now uh, in modern Judaism, but they both have tradition. Right. They have an or they have this tradition of the rabbis or their or the priests yeah. in in Catholicism mm-hmm. and in the Roman Catholic Church. The tradition is as authoritative as the Bible. Yeah. So they don't they interpret the Bible by the tradition. Right. That's how they do. And then the modern Jew, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. They interpret the Bible through the mo- through the. It is modern. I mean, even though, you know, this this began sometime apparently after the destruction of the temple, these rabbis been, began to collect these teachings and created the Talmud. Right. And. It's not, bi- it's not biblical Judaism. It's, it's a collection right. of, of the rabbis' teachings and traditions. But that's how they get to, right. we interpret the Old Testament through the teachings mm-hmm. of these yeah. men. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have that. You have the tradition of men on both sides. 
yeah. which is the lens through which they are interpreting God's Word. Right. Um, what we believe is you just go to God's Word, and it's plain. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, if you interpret God's Word for what it says, it's the destruction of modern Judaism. <laughs> right. It can't exist. Yeah. They, um, if, if they really were taking the Old Testament seriously, they really were taking the law and the prophets seriously, they really have to um, deal with the fact that for 2,000 years there have been no animal sacrifices. Mm-hmm. There's been no temple. Um, that's a problem. There's no priesthood. I yeah. mean, they don't even know who's in line to be priests. Yeah. Um, but that's, that is the strength of Christianity, we can look at that fact and say, well, there's a reason why it's ended. There's a reason why God allowed this to happen. Right. It's because the final sacrifice has come, um, and there's no need for animal sacrifices anymore because that to which it pointed has appeared. Right. Um, and Christ has offered once for all his body, and that is the sacrifice that actually atones for sin. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't have to be offered day after day, year after year. It was a once for all time single sacrifice that actually took away sin. Right. Um and that when you when you compare that with the sacrifices that you see in Leviticus and Numbers that had to be offered just continuously, it, this is a massive massive shift. Yeah. Um, and it can only be explained if Christ is who he says he is and his work actually accomplished what he said it would it would do. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I did read from the uh, Catholic Catechism. Okay, yeah. And uh, so we can talk about so that a little bit. Most people don't realize that. I think even many people that are in the Catholic Church, they, might, they may not even realize this, but the Catholic priests believe that they are re-sacrificing Christ mm-hmm. every day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we talked about this on a free for all when we uh-huh. uh, we showed the video of the the priest doing his hocus pocus. Right, right. Um, but this is actually from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Um, I I actually have the Catechism. This is not some Protestant um, uh, production. This is actually what the Catholic Church has in their Catechism. Uh, this is question number one thousand three hundred and sixty seven. Um, and it says the sacrifice of Christ and the sacrifice of the Eucharist, the mass, the bread and the wine, mm-hmm. are one single sacrifice. The victim is one and the same. The same now offers through the ministry a priest who then offered himself on the cross. Only the manner of offering is different. And since in this divine sacrifice, which is celebrated in the Mass, the same Christ who offered himself once in a bloody manner on the altar of the cross is contained and offered in an unbloody manner, this sacrifice is truly propitiatory. The the Mass is the same sacrifice as Jesus on the cross, it's Uh just a different manner. Right. A question was raised yesterday in community group. How can they call it an unbloody sacrifice when they believe that the wine actually turns into the blood of Christ? Right. Yeah. That's what I, that's the question I had right as you read it. Mm. Yeah. Because they do believe, they believe it actually becomes blood. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but the sacrifice is propitiatory. Mm-hmm. Like it actually satisfies the wrath of God. Right. Um, over and over and over again. Uh, this is 
it's blasphemous. Uh, but it also doesn't make any sense out of Hebrews 10, Hebrews right. 7. Um, and it also uh, confuses the, the two natures of Christ. Mm-hmm. Like in his body, Christ is somewhere right, right now. Um, and his body can't be everywhere at once. Mm-hmm. Um, in his divinity, he's everywhere. He's present everywhere. But in his body, he can't be everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's why he said, it's better that I go away so that the spirit can come. Right. Because in his body, he could be only with the disciples in one place. Uh-huh. But the spirit can be with them everywhere. Right. Um, but with the mass, if if it's truly the body and blood of Christ, then he's he has to be in multiple places. Right. Uh, you know, multiple times. I was looking for uh, I was looking for a place where they said that it actually drags Christ out of heaven, but I couldn't find it. That's uh, I can pull it. I can bring it free for all Friday. Yeah. It's in a book um, written by I can't remember his name, but um, it's been giving like the the blessing of the church. This okay. book contains true Catholic doctrine. Okay, it's like official or whatever. Uh, but as I was looking for it, I did find another quote. You did, and I'm glad you. I'm glad you didn't hear it in the sermon, so oh, I could okay. so I could read it to you. Here. All right. <laughs> this is from. Um, it's from a priest at Saint Coleman Catholic Church. It's in a blog post called "The Importance of Going to Mass." Hmm. Um, listen to what he listen to what he says about the mass. He says, every time I celebrate the Mass, I consummate my marriage to my bride, the Church. And we could stop right there and just (laughs) just talk about that. (laughs) The priest said that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, My words become the words of Christ as I am an altar Christus. Another Another Christ. Christ. Recite the words of institution. This is my body, which is given up for you. This is not a symbolic gesture. It's the reality of my spiritual fatherhood. My body belongs to the faithful, and in the reliving of the Lord's passion, I give of myself as Christ did on the cross. Wow. What do you think about that, Jay? Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy, man. Yeah. See, again, people don't understand that. that They believe that Mm -hmm. about the priesthood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That they stand in the place of Christ as another Christ. Yeah, and that they're actually giving themselves yeah. like Christ gave on the cross. I mean, uh, it's, I, I told the church yesterday, these are the words of a literal antichrist. Yeah. Like <laughs> an ultra Christus. That's, that, is, that is what antichrist means. Yeah. Another Christ. Uh-huh. Um, I thought that was really weird, though, that he said, every time I celebrate the Mass, I consummate my marriage with my bride, the church. Right. Yeah. Say what now? Yeah. <laughs> so now they're, I mean, now this guy is, he's literally supplanting Christ mm-hmm. as the groom. Um, as, as uh, you know, this is the reality of my spiritual fatherhood. It's, it's mind boggling. Yep. Um, I, I spent some time on this. I, I almost didn't. I looked at the clock and I was like, well, I could skip this and save some time. But I went ahead with it because I think that, for a lot of Christians, they see the mass as just a, another way to take a, a fancy, a fancy way of doing yeah. the, the Lord's Supper. Uh-huh. So we take the Lord's Supper, and we've got the little, you know, little wafer and the little cup. They've got, you know, they've got their own way of doing it, but we're essentially just doing the same thing. Yeah. 
Um, and I think it's, it's, it's always a good reminder for us. I mean, we're, we're coming up on Reformation Day in about a month and a half. I think it's a good time for us mm-hmm. to be reminded that we're not together. The Catholic Church is celebrating something that is opposed to the Scriptures, um, and it is not what we are doing when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Um, I wore my... I see it. I see you're wearing that. I wore my Protestant shirt on purpose, Jay. It's like, what should I wear today? Ah, We're going to be talking about the Catholic Church. Yeah, Uh, we're not. We're not. We're not together. Um, There's, you know, there's been a push in the the last several decades for this ecumenical movement of of bringing Protestants and Catholics together. You know, uh, Pope Francis, he he's trying to he's trying to do that. He went. What was it last year or the year before that he went to? to Wittenberg and was talking about how great Martin Luther was. Yeah, maybe. I don't remember how many years. The years are just all jumbled together. Mm. Uh, the last several years, uh, I don't remember when he did that, but talking about how great he is and we're not we're not together though. Like you ever you see can, you uh, can't you cannot read this and say, well, it's the same thing. You ever seen a celebrities read mean tweets uh-huh. about themselves? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um I would, George, I could die happy right now today if the Pope could read Martin Luther's mean writings mm-hmm. about the Pope. Yeah. On TV. <laughs> yeah. I could die a happy man, my friend. Yeah. Well, he'd probably say, well, we're not the same. There were problems with the Catholic Church. I mean, they had, they had the Counter-Reformation. They yeah. tried to clean up some of the abuses. Uh, but in the process, they produced the Council of Trent, which anathematized anyone that held to salvation by faith alone. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, that's that's when the reformers um, said they're no longer a church. Right. Was the Council of Trent when they when they issued those anathemas? Yeah. And those anathemas have never been they've never been rescinded. Right. Um, they they've got Vatican II, but they they didn't say well we're you know they never walked back the anathemas. Right. Well, people who hold the Vatican II and they try to say, oh, no, you know, you guys are, we believe you guys are believers and whatever, they just prove uh, Luther's points all the more because mm. he says popes and councils have often erred and contradicted each other. Right. Vatican II mm. contradicts. Right. Yeah. Council of Trent. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it, it just reminds us that, that Christ sacrifice is once for all it is an atoning sacrifice that actually atoned um, and it atoned for a particular people it atoned for them definitely god's wrath has been satisfied entirely um, and we can't have that assurance if you're if you're trusting in christ you can have that assurance um, martin luther he uh he said either sin is lying on your shoulders or it is lying on Christ the lamb of god and if it is resting on christ then you are free mm. good and awesome. that, uh, that that should give us some comfort and encouragement yeah for sure all right for fourth point god's perfect son jesus is god's perfect son yeah all right uh, in case we have forgotten who we're talking about, right? Right. Um, he spent the first two chapters of the book um, talking about who he is, that he is um, he's the eternal Son of God. He's the second person of the Trinity, but he is also in the incarnation. He's the long-awaited 
Davidic son. He's the Messiah. Um, so the, the the priest we're talking about here is um, he's truly God and he's truly man. Right. Um, and so we need to we need to remember that. Uh-huh. We need to remember that he's not he's not just uh, he's not like an angel. He's not just another man. He's the God man. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I spent a little bit of time on that phrase. He's been made perfect. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? Um, this this phrase that he has been made perfect, and we see this uh, in chapter two, um, chapter five, and then here in chapter seven, and it means that um, he has accomplished his mission. Right. Um, he came in the flesh. He experienced all of our weaknesses, hunger, thirst. He got tired. Um, he learned to trust God which we've talked about this before, um, but these are, these are things that I think a lot of Christians, they don't really think about. Jesus, in his incarnation, he had to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, he had to learn how to resist temptation. Um, as the eternal Son of God, he didn't know what, what temptation was like. This in his is... incarnation, he actually experienced temptation and learned to resist it. He obeyed. He learned how to obey, even to the point of death. Yeah, it's, it's something a lot of people... I think really struggle with because um, not thinking through it maybe in a slower, more clear fashion, try to be more precise. I think people think, okay, well, wasn't he? He was perfect from the time he was born. Right. But really, what they should understand is he's sinless. Where and we're sinless, right? We're right. not. We're not talking about his essence in being made perfect. We're not mm-hmm. talking about his being, right. because we've already talked about that. He's holy, innocent, unstained, right. separated from sinners. In his in his um, his attributes, he's he is perfect. Uh-huh. That's not what we're talking about here. When he when he's using the word "made perfect," that's not what he's talking about. Right. That 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 phraseology we talked about last week um, that the law makes nothing perfect. Um, it's he is um he's complete yeah um as the messiah uh-huh um he had to come he had to be incarnated right um he he couldn't just appear um be crucified and then leave again right. he had to live for 33 years mm-hmm. he had the he had the tabernacle amongst us he had to learn what it meant to obey your parents Mm-hmm. Um, he had to know what it meant to resist temptation, to uh, to trust in God when he's out in the wilderness and he's hungry. He had to learn that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He had to learn that in an experiential way. Right. Um, he had to learn to obey God and to say, not my will, but your will be done, even to the point of death on the cross, mm-hmm. so that... In his overcoming, he never he never sinned. He 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 perfectly obeyed. He perfectly resisted temptation. He perfectly trusted in God. But in that in that those thirty three years of of living, um, he now is able to sympathize with us. He actually is able to um, be a compassionate high priest who understands what we're going through mm-hmm. because he knows what it's like to be hungry. Right. He knows what it's like to be thirsty. He knows what it's like to be tired. Yeah, um, he knows what it's like when um, it's hard 
to obey God. Um, and so he's become the perfect high priest. He's not like these other high priests that were also sinners. Um, and maybe they're from a, ba a different background. They've had different experiences. They don't know, you know. Uh, he, he knows. He knows what it's like. You can never say God doesn't understand. Mm -hmm. Because in the incarnation, Jesus came and he does. He understands. I want to throw something out here, but I don't know if I should hold it for a free-for-all Friday. There's a big debate online about uh, is anxiety a sin? Mm. Did you see that? I did see it's that. blowing up. Uh -huh. Just yeah. blowing that up. That pops up every once in a while. This isn't the first time I've seen this. Right. Yeah. What, should we hold it for free-for-all Friday? Sure. That's a pretty big topic. We could yeah. talk about that. Um, yeah. We can talk and about so that. And so that was going to mm -hmm. say... Uh, did Jesus experience anxiety? Okay. All right. And if he didn't, how can he sympathize with me and my weakness? Okay. Yeah. Um, I really on Twitter wanted to blow the whole thing apart. <laughs> uh, that doesn't sound like you, Jay. You're the unifier. You're not... a... <laughs> uh, you know, I just, I don't like it when, when people uh, take really strong stances on things um that are uh i think can be answered even just through understanding maybe theology of the incarnation a little better mm -hmm. but also paying attention to um what's what's mentioned and what Jesus went through mm -hmm. you know in the hours before he was right uh, handed over to be right. crucified um and then understanding what sinful anxiety is right right I think um, you just answered the question, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> but it would be a good discussion, yeah. I think. Um, right. It's like it's like saying anger is a sin. Right. Yeah. Did Jesus ever get angry? Uh, there's sinful anger. Yeah. I mean, there's there's righteous anger. Right. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll hold off. Mm -hmm. That That's a good, that, that'd be a good discussion. Yeah, um, I, I saw one person that said uh, having PTSD is a sin. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. You really want to talk about it. Well, hold on. Can you hold off? Are you able to? I, I can hold off. All I right. Guess. Okay. We'll hold off. Don't get sick. Hopefully I don't okay. get <laughs> the swine flu before then. I guess that's what I'm due next for, huh? Yeah. Hey, soon guys! I, I can't come in. I got Ebola. Hey, you got what? Soon, George. <laughs> soon, I can go to like uh, to the CDC and I can say, just extract, yeah, <laughs> and create the cure. What? What is it? Who doesn't? No one knows. But I've have got it all. You're uh, you're like the absorbing man. Yeah, you remember absorbing man in the Marvel comics? Uh, yeah, that's what you are. <laughs> you're just absorbing. All of these sicknesses. Yeah. Stay away from me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Are we six feet apart? Not we're quite. close. Yeah, it's we're not close. quite. Yeah. Not quite. Um, so Jesus has been made perfect. He he becomes the perfect high priest for us. So he's he's not just another weak person beset with his own weaknesses and sins, um, and so he can't he can't truly help you. Um, he is the Son of God, 
who has been made perfect. And so in whatever need we have, whatever trial, temptation, um, he's everything that we need. Right. And this is not, I gave a little sneak peek into chapter eight um, towards at the end, because we, we like to um, just kind of have these, like this is a mental exercise. Like here's how the Bible describes Jesus. And we just kind of leave it at that. But chapter eight, verse one says, now the point of all of this, mm. <laughs> the point of what we're saying is this, we have such a high priest. Yeah. This is, this is not, this is not hypothetical. It's not, it's not just for, um, you know, seminary professors to talk about, um, this is an actual experiential reality for Christians. You have this high priest. Jesus belongs to you. He's yours. And you belong to him. And I think that, that we should find that to be incredibly encouraging. Mm-hmm. It really is. It really is. Yeah. I'm glad that I don't have to get married to Fred every, every Friday or Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Priest Fred? I knew that's what you were saying, but <laughs> or whatever yeah, it came whatever out real weird. It came out real weird. I, I, I mean, it came out of his mouth weird. What do you want me to do with it, George? Yeah, you made it weird. Yeah, it's a great. That, comfort. That, yeah, that we. This is <laughs> you made it weird, but they made it weird first. They made it weird first. Yeah. Uh it's a, it is a great, incredible comfort. And so I'm looking forward to you unpacking uh, chapter eight, which you said is like, hey, here it is, here it is right here. Yeah. And so you're going to go through it all in one time. That's yeah, what you said, chapter yeah, eight. Thir- 13 verses. Mm-hmm. We'll do, we'll do it all next week. And then we'll really, uh, I think we'll really zoom in okay. on the new covenant Yeah. and uh, talk about that. All right. Yeah. That'd be good. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I'm glad the camera made it. I didn't, it, was, yeah, yeah. it was questionable for, yeah. for a little bit, um, but we still need a new one. So uh, that remains. Us begging still remains. If this has been helpful, beneficial to you, hopefully it helps you to be more conformed to Christ. If it has, you can like, uh, like this podcast. You can share this podcast with your friends. Subscribe if you have it. Uh, that'll help more people see it. Uh, share it on Facebook, Twitter, whatever you want. Uh, help get the word out. It's our hope and desire to serve people and help you to become more and more conformed to Christ. See you next time.